Solve for X, Episode 1 Dual Management Alright, little recorder, I have been instructed by my lovely coworker Janet to recount my day to you. I I don't know why, um, but apparently it's a normal part of a work day. And it's it's not like I'm in a place to argue about that, so Oh my god. Like there's literally no way I haven't completely lost my mind. Like, this has to be it for me. Like, a complete psychotic break. But, I mean, I'm at a complete loss here. And and I'm so tired. And if I don't talk about what happened to me today, I think I'm going to lose my mind again, I guess. So, I'm just I'm going to recount my day like they told me to. And then maybe, if someone is listening, they might help me. Or maybe I'll remember something. I'm just going to start at the beginning of my day. I arrived at work. I I couldn't tell you how I arrived to work. Um, And I don't mean that in like a I zoned out on the bus way. I mean like, like I don't have a single memory of myself before I was standing at the front desk of this office today. I don't know who's listening to this, so I don't know if you've ever just appeared somewhere, like you were brought into existence in an old dusty office, but it's disorienting to say the least. It was so bright, with the harsh light reflecting off the pale yellow walls, and the only thing in the room was this giant desk against the back wall that was, honestly, it was hard to miss with the bright orange countertops. Behind the front desk, there was a guy. He looked young, disconnected patches of a beard, attempting and failing to hide his baby face and freckles. He smiled at me and said, Morning. Quite the weather out today, hey? I looked at the door behind me, but it was solid wood and I couldn't see past. And there was no windows in there. And, well, I couldn't exactly remember how the weather had been this morning. But, I mean, thankfully he didn't seem phased by my lack of reply. He just asked to scan my key card. And so I was about to tell him that I don't have a key card, that I don't have anything, that I don't know where I am or how I got here or even what my fucking name was, but he wasn't looking at my face. He, he was just staring at my hand. So, so I looked and that's when I noticed that my left hand was clutching something to my fist. An ugly mustard yellow key card with a brown stripe pattern. There's a photo of a person on the right and four words on the left that read Evelyn Rose, assistant director. I just stared at the card for so long because I mean, that couldn't possibly be me, right? Like, shouldn't I recognize myself immediately? Like, is that what I look like? And the front desk guy, he held his hand out to me and I looked up at him. And as I took a step closer, I could see the dark bags under his eyes. And his eyes themselves, they looked exhausted. But his smile just stayed plastered in place. I placed the key card in his hand and I just waited for him to take one look at it and call my bluff 
to say that isn't me, that there's been a mistake, and I shouldn't be here, but, but he just kept smiling as he looked at it, never faltering for even a moment of confusion. He just scanned it, and the frosted glass doors to his left unlocked with a click, handed me my card back, and told me to have a good day. I looked into the main office. It was huge. The walls were painted the same yellow color, but the carpet here, it was a shaggy brown. But it made me stop in my tracks when I took a step onto it because it wasn't the plush texture I was expecting. It was hard, unmoving. Like I was just walking on cold concrete. The fluorescent lights above my head started to flicker and buzz. I looked up and noticed random ceiling tiles missing. When I tried to look into the gaps, I could only see endless black. And the longer I looked, the more this dull ache in the back of my head made my vision shake. Which I'm sure was just my eyes adjusting to that gross yellowy haze that the light casted the room in. In the bullpen, there were two rows of cubicles, with one following the wall down around the corner past where I could see. Each cubicle had someone sitting at the desk, all just typing away, flipping through files or sipping something black in a stained white porcelain mug that looked far too thick to be coffee. I held my breath as I walked past, waiting for them to look up and see me, to call me out as the imposter that I clearly am, but instead when they look up, they just happily greet me. Good morning, Evelyn. Hope you had a good weekend. So I think it's Monday? Their posters lining the otherwise blank walls repeated every meter down the hallway, just the same message on each one. Don't let all your hard work go to waste. Record everything that took place with this little drawing of this, actually of this recorder I'm holding now. So those posters make a bit more sense now, I guess? At the end of the hall, in the very back corner without a window, there was the only desk not yet occupied by an employee. It had a nameplate plastered on the outside wall of the cubicle, engraved with those same four words I had on my keycard. Evelyn Rose, Assistant Director. So I took a seat, and I logged into the computer, typing in a password that I didn't know, but muscle memory luckily seemed to remember. The only sound filling the office the entire day was just the typing of keys, the clicking of mice, and the ticking of this unseen clock that I swear ticked off beat occasionally. There was no idle office chit chat that I could hear, so I couldn't get any clue of what was going on by eavesdropping. So I tried to be strategic in other ways, and I scoured my computer for any information I could find. Honestly, just looking for anything that could be useful, either about myself or even whatever the hell an assistant director is supposed to be doing. You know, I have a meeting tomorrow at 10 a.m. labeled important presentation with no further notes on what on earth I will be presenting. So I'm really looking forward to that. Totally not filled with even more impending doom at that thought. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, hours 
tasks like that and I found almost nothing. Emails detailing meeting times, but with no offers to what those meetings would be about, spreadsheets filled with numbers and graphs with no indication as to what any of it meant or was trying to convey. And I could feel the panic rising in my throat at the thought of having no more answers than I did when I showed up here today. Just a longer list of questions. This blonde girl came up to me then. The first person to come up to my desk all day, or, or anyone's desk for that matter. She looked around the same age as the front desk guy, if I had to guess. She smiled at me and seemed dazed, bored even. She picked at a muffin in her hand, dropping crumbs under the already disgusting carpet below. She told me that David had brought muffins in for everyone, and they were in the break room if I wanted one. She smiled at me with a familiarity that I tried to match. I don't want to seem too cold to this girl who could very well be my best fucking friend for all I know if only I could remember anything. She tried to make some small talk with me, her eyes wandering around the office as she told me that she painted her living room over the weekend and asked if I got up to anything exciting. So I just replied with, ah, uh, nothing too crazy. Just the usual. Cause I don't know. <laughs> but she seemed to take it as an adequate yet boring response, and she walked off before I could say anything else. I thought about stopping her. I try asking her if she knows where we are, or what we're doing, or who I am, but honestly, when she brought up food, it made me realize how absolutely starving I was. I hoped that a bit of food would help me clear my head a bit. Wishful thinking that a muffin would help me remember my identity, I know, but I was desperate, okay? So I walked back towards the front door and I found a corridor that I didn't remember seeing when I first came in. I wandered down the hall, praying that my muscle memory might extend past just computer passwords and carry me there. You know when you're lost and suddenly every space feels 10 times its size? That, I, I mean, that must have been what happened because I, I walked down hallway after hallway, past countless office doors and empty water coolers until my feet ached. All of the doors were locked, so I just kept walking and walking, and I don't know how long I was wandering. At one point, I even decided to try and turn back, but still, it just, it never stopped. And and nothing looked familiar. Faintly, I could hear someone talking behind one of the office doors down the hall, so I tried to open it, and, and this one was unlocked, but, but it just opened into another hallway, and, and this one, this one was dim, cold. It was lined with these heavy, dark wooden doors those small rectangular windows and from one end of the hall I heard I heard this awful uh, wet stretching sound um, it was coming from the only office with a light on so it's hard to miss I walked trying to keep my footsteps so light and as I reached the door and peered in it was just an average looking office with a sturdy oak desk and the same yellow walls as the rest of this place. But behind the desk, there was this middle-aged man. I didn't recognize him, shocker. 
but he was, um, he was tied to the chair and his, his skin all over his face and neck, it, it was beginning to peel like an old wallpaper that no one's tended to in years. And I think it went past his neck too, that, that maybe all of his skin was peeling in the same way because I could see his dress shirt cling to his convulsing body darkened with wet and, and clumps of flesh and, and blood seeping through. I heard that same stretching sound again, but, but I couldn't see what was causing it. Well, curiosity killed the cat and all that because that's when another man moved into view and towards the man in the chair. And he shifted under his skin as he moved and I heard that stretching and tearing sound again. And I was frozen as I, as I watched him. I w watched him reach out and peel a hanging strip of skin from the man's face. He inspected his prize and then, and then he placed it on his face. And from my angle, it almost looked like it sank into him, fusing seamlessly to him. He contorted and moved against this new skin, stretching, tearing it like the seams on a tight shirt. I wanted to scream. And honestly, I thought for a moment I had started screaming and I clamped my hand over my mouth, but it wasn't my voice. The man tied in the chair with the peeling skin spotted me through the window and, and he was screaming for my help, choking on blood and what was supposed to be my name as he begged me to do something. A plea that ever so kindly attracted the attention of that contorting creature my way. He turned to me and I could see his whole face for the first time and that's when I noticed. He had the same face as the man in the chair. Every little detail the same, right down to the mole above his eye. My eyes darted back and forth between the two like a horrific game of spot the difference. I was still frozen. Even when it started moving towards me, all I could do was open my mouth to scream, so I did. Yet I was in the break room. I was standing in front of the counter, facing mustard and brown, peeling wallpaper, holding a muffin in my hand. My mouth was open, like I was going to take a bite instead of scream for my life. I jerked back and I threw the muffin across the room. I, I couldn't tell you my thought process there, but I don't know. It felt like the thing to do at the time. I threw it across the room and smacked the front desk guy from earlier right in the chest as he walked in the room. I apologized and thankfully he just chuckled at me made some joke about recruiting me if he ever needed to take out someone with celiac disease and grabbed himself one of the non-weaponized muffins. But I was still frozen, just watching him unwrap this muffin, waiting for his skin to start peeling or for him to attack me or for my skin to start peeling, but, but I didn't see any peeling skin. Just some faint scars on his neck. They didn't look like the same 
chunks of skin I saw the other guy missing, though. They were smaller, more intricate. I looked up at his face and realized he was already looking at me. <laughs> so I was ready to defend my staring or scream if he started contorting under his skin, but he only offered a warm smile in response. He seems nice, normal, but like how on earth could I tell? And I mean, how would I even know if any of that was real? Like, like, did I have some kind of hallucination on my way to the break room? Like, is that a regular issue for me? Like, maybe that guy doesn't even work here and he was just a fabrication of my tired, disoriented mind. And I don't trust this front desk guy, but I needed some clarity. So I said, you know that short guy with the balding black hair? What department does he work in again? You know, being so casual. But he just looked at me confused for a second and I thought, okay, maybe I did just imagine it. But then he asked me if I meant Mr. Jacobson, the entitled prick who stole your promotion. Mole under his left eyebrow. Looks like the kind of person whose alarm in the morning would say rise and grind. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be him. So fuck me, he is real. And he's our boss? Or was our boss? Plural bosses, maybe? I should not be making jokes about this, okay? Someone called out then, asking everyone to join them in the bullpen immediately, and I thought for sure. They'd found the peeling remains of our boss, and I was gonna turn that corner and be met with an onslaught of police, but no. Instead, there was a banner that read, Happy Birthday and poorly taped streamers decorating the walls that were already beginning to fall. Everyone in the office was gathered around a blank white sheet cake with a single candle in the middle. They looked to me and began to sing happy birthday to, well, to me. So I guess today is my birthday. I don't know how old I'm turning. Everyone enclosed around me, herding me towards the cake at the center. At the end of the song, I leaned forward and blew out the candle, dripping wax onto the cake below. A piercing clink of a knife on a glass cut through the cheers. I turn and see our fearless leader, Mr. Jacobson, or his evil murdering twin, at least. And that's when he launched into the weirdest speech I've ever heard in my entire life. Or at, at least what I can remember of it. So, the weirdest speech of today, I guess. But he said, Attention everyone! Adding on to the day's lovely celebrations, I have an announcement. As you're all aware, I have been your superior for the past few months, and I must say, I have truly loved getting to work with you all. I've been honored to get to know you past just the surface, to get to know who you are on the inside, something that in turn has changed who I am inside. As much as it pains me to admit, however, this position has grown quite dull. I was not made for tiny boxes and robotic repetitive conversations, but I'm better suited to a life of, well, let's say self-discovery and reinvention. 
all of this is to say, I will be stepping down, effective immediately, leaving the position in the more than capable hands of our own sweet little Evelyn. Give it up, everybody, for your new director. He raised his glass in his hand, and the room erupts in cheers, but I could not bring myself to join in because... It's like, what the actual fuck was that? Like, what is that thing doing giving me this job? Is that like it's bribe to get me to keep my mouth shut about what this thing's actual definition of reinvention is? And I don't even know what an assistant director is supposed to be doing, let alone a director. Everyone was shaking my hand and cheering, acting like this was normal. Like that was not the weirdest and most backhanded way to give someone a promotion. I don't know if it was the way their smile never reached their eyes or the uncanny way they moved. Too fluid, too planned, but it just didn't feel like this celebration was for me. It was for Evelyn. For Evelyn, who knows how she gets to work every day, who knows the name of the kind boy who greets her at the front desk, and who probably talks shit about co-workers with that blonde girl. And I just don't get how that's supposed to be me. <sighs> you know, come to think of it, those two... They were the only two who actually seemed to find this shit as weird and as unsettling as I did. Not that any of us voiced that. Instead, I tried to act excited, to show my appreciation, to shake my coworkers' freakishly cold hands, and say whatever you should say after a weird-ass speech like that. Once the initial congratulations were said, Mr. Jacobson walked up to me smiling and holding a piece of cake on a flimsy paper plate with a fork stuck in the middle. You know, I don't remember seeing him blink, which which I know is just me being paranoid, but like, I really feel like I should have seen him blink, like at least once. And I can't stop thinking about, well, well, I mean, not that I can stop thinking about any of this shit, but like, before he left, he, he leaned in so close, I can still feel his disgustingly hot breath on my neck. And he said, Does it feel worth it? Is it everything you hoped it would be? You don't truly believe your hands are clean, do you, director? And he laughed. A sort of low chuckle. But I don't think it it didn't feel like he was talking to me. It felt like he was talking through me. He left then, giving some excuse of needing to clean up the mess he made in his office. It felt wrong letting him walk away, knowing what I knew, or at least thinking I knew what I knew, but like... Like, what the fuck could I do besides follow him into that room and become his next arts and crafts project? Still, I tried to reach out and grab him, stop him, or move in any way, but it felt like my limbs were held down in cement. And that dull ache from earlier, it came back in my head. And I was just consumed with this horrible, staticky feeling. 
So I just watched a scared child as he smugly walked off. God. People started to head back to their desks after that. Janet, the lady who brought me in here, reminded me to close out my day with my audio log and brought me in here. I saw front desk guy and the bored blonde lady. They were also escorted, I imagine, doing the same as I'm doing. Well, probably not exactly the same. I don't know why I don't remember who I am or, or who any of these people are, but I, I know that I absolutely cannot forget what happened today as much as I would like to. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be skinned by my ex-boss's evil twin thing, and I can't let that thing stay here and, and terrorize these people, right? But like, God, how would I even know if someone went missing if I don't know who anyone is? And, and even if I knew, what the fuck could I do about it? Tomorrow, I will remember. And then, I, I will make a plan or, or, or find someone who, who can solve this. Maybe I should try and sneak this recorder home with me. I feel better knowing I'd at least have today recorded in case I do forget again once I get home. Home. Right. Where... Where would that be? Ow, what the... The fuck was that? It's weird. I oh, I don't... <clears throat> I don't, uh... I feel... Distraction team, move in. Copy. Room A and B clear. Can we up the implanted memories next time? They seem to be fighting it too much. It's distracting. End of experiment log, test subject 00472X. Today's episode of Soul for X was written and directed by Lee Fennell. Performances by Lee Fennell, Patricia Chai, and Evan Fennell. For more information, find us on Instagram at Soul for X Podcast. Thanks for listening!